Happy Halloween! Today's show, we're going to be covering six scary stories of bad things that you can do with your finances, and then six scary stories on great things you can do for your finances. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, you are missing out. All that and more on today's show. It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Check one, two, three. Check one, two, three. You guys probably can tell we sound the same. But if you had the visual, there's something crazy going on here at the Money Guy Show. Because this is our Halloween episode. That's right. It's middle of October. We only have a few weeks before the big October 31st. So we figured, you know what? We're going to get in the spirit this year and actually do something now that we have this visual medium. You know, in the past, we used to play songs and other things. We decided this is the perfect year to let you guys see what it's like to be here at Abound Wealth and the Money Guy Show around Halloween time. And um, go check us out. Remember, we are giving away $1,000 for our YouTube subscribers. For, so for everybody out there who has not signed up, remember in mid-November, we are giving away $1,000. And all you have to do to qualify is subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Show. So go check it out. And you're crazy if you don't go tune in and look at the, the YouTube channel today or whenever you listen to this, as soon as you safely can. Because if you want to know what's going on, I look like... Howard Stern dressed up as Jon Snow. <laughs> and then, Bo, you look like one of my trusty dragons. <laughs> so we even have a Game of Thrones spoiler built into this show. So it really, I mean, this is world-class stuff that's going on. But before we get into those scary financial decisions and those stories that support why these are, can be some things that ruin your financial life as well as why these are, are, are st- scary stories that actually could make your life better, we want to do some 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 quick review things. The first is one of the new things I've been, you know, you go to conferences on how we should be doing the show better. Right. We, we went to podcast movement, we've been to FinCon several years, and everybody's always saying, read your reviews on your show. Right. I'm like, that's brilliant. And because we have hundreds of reviews. There are there are just hundreds, close to thousands of reviews on the Money Guy show, because we've been doing this over twelve years. You know how many reviews we've read on the show? Uh, not hundreds and not thousands. I can't think of when we've done it. So we're actually trying to be better. So I want to read a few reviews for you. The, the first ones, we'll go all the way back to September 27th. We've got the handsomest man in Hackney Sack. This is what he wrote. He said, Brian and Bo are not only passionate about sharing the expertise of wealth management, they seem like genuinely down-to-earth great guys. Whether you're a novice or an expert yourself, I highly recommend subscribing if you're serious about getting your finances and investments in order. Man. Thank you, handsomest man in Hackensack. I don't know if he'd say the same thing about today's (laughs) show after he sees the visual. Number two. This is from, this is on iTunes. This is October 6th from David Horn. He said, I've been listening to Brian since he started this podcast. A long-time listener. David's not a young chicken either (laughs) now that he's been listening for over 12 years. Great content and even humorous. I now have my 22-year-old listening to this great podcast. David, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for even writing the, the, the review. I mean, this stuff is tremendous. And then the last one, this is from 1977-54QQM. 
And he wrote this on October 7th. He says, I drive a truck for a living, and the last thing I need is a podcast that will put me to sleep. True statement. I I think that's a compliment. (laughs) Not Brian and Bo. They have great info, and they will keep it very interesting. Highly recommend this podcast for everyone wanting to get ahead with their money. So those are all five-star reviews. Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. And by the way, if you want your reviews read, go out there to iTunes. Go out there to Stitcher. Go out to all places that you can record, you know, your comments, including YouTube. That's something we'll probably start yep. incorporating, too, with some YouTube reviews. But thank you, guys. The reason we're successful is not the Jon Snow and Dragon costumes. It's definitely our listeners. So thank you so much for supporting the show. And that reminds me, we are by day. Don't let these costumes throw you off. We are fee-only financial advisors. I'm a certified public accountant, certified financial planner. I'm sitting right next to my, my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen, who's a chartered financial analyst and a certified financial planner. And we're always looking for clients to take this to the next level. Right. And what I love is a lot of our listeners have gone out to the website, both at Abound as well as Money Guy, and they've noticed our map of where we have clients. And a few of you have even reached out and said, hey, I've noticed South Dakota is not covered yeah, up. Yeah, you know, yeah. are, you, are you taking clients there? So we are looking to, to take the relationship to the next level. If you like what you've been listening to for the last 12 years and you say, these guys are just giving it away because that's the plan. We want to be as generous as possible, give you as much information, make you as successful as possible, and then hopefully you'll get to the point that you say, I need those guys to take my finances to the next level, so I'm going to hire them. So that's what we're doing here. So take, absorb, Get as much as you can, and we're going to hopefully entertain you as well, because this is going to be a fun one today, is because not only are we going to talk about these scary stories of the good and the bad things you can be doing with your financial life, we have a special episode in the fact that we've incorporated, we bought, that's right, we spent money on this, these Jelly Bellies being boozled. I want you to meet the team. You, you realize you guys every other week get to see me and Bo talk about mm-hmm. content. But we actually have a whole team behind the show. And I was like, what a better way to bring the team on than to let them dress up for Halloween and then embarrass them because we're all going to eat these horrible bean boozled jelly beans, which let me give you a taste but of what some these of them things. are good, right? So yeah, we're not so, so it's 50 50, but right. let's read the bad stuff rotten eggs, spoiled milk, barf, boogers, stinky socks, canned dog food, right, moldy that's, cheese. That's enough. That's enough. That's so enough. all that and more. Let's get into the actual meat of the show. Moneyguy.com, if you want to go check out all of our social media, where you can connect with us through Twitter, through Facebook, as well as YouTube. Remember, sign up to get your $1,000 by just subscribing to the show. This is what I'm so excited about with today's show, Brian. Is, you know, normally, you know, you go read an article about some things to avoid or pitfalls to, to watch out for, things you should be thinking about. Uh, we feel so fortunate that we get to do this for a living, so we get to interact with folks that have made good financial decisions and bad financial decisions. So a lot of the information that we're going to be sharing today is from personal experience. This yep. happened to real people, real things that we've seen. So we're hoping that you can glean some value from her, from hearing both our stories as well, as well as some of our client stories. And the setup for the today's show is that we're going to start with the bad. These are six scary stories of decisions that were made that took people down a dark path. And then we're going to brighten it up to close out the show with six scary stories that led people down the path less traveled that led to fulfillment and the vanquishing of the darkness of bad financial decision making. <laughs> I think vanquishing. I think I think it's this you costume. You're channeling some it, inner John Snow. This John right Snow now. costume. The Howard Stern John Snow costume <laughs> is really bringing some things out. So let's talk about these decisions that are negative first. Here's the first one. 
not creating a proper estate plan. Oh, that's a huge one, yeah. Now, we, you guys know, anybody who reaches out to us and calls us and says, hey, can you give me some guidance on what's going on? The first thing we'll ask you is, do you have children? As soon as we ask you that question, what we're trying to figure out is, if you leave this earth tomorrow, is your family going to be okay? Right. Have you, you know, do you have a will that will tell you know, who's left behind, your relatives as well as the state and everybody else that this is who I want to take care of my children. This is who I want to administer my assets after I'm not here to represent myself anymore. Do you have life insurance that will cover and replace your income? We just did a whole podcast series on good decision-making with insurance. Go check it out if you don't know if you have enough life insurance for your family. And then healthcare directives. Now let's get into some stories. Okay. Healthcare directives are those type of decisions that, you know, you give while you're alive, while you're healthy and able-minded to what you want done to you and when, and when you can't answer for yourself. Because what happens if you get into a situation where they need to put a breathing tube in or, or some other things? How long should that be in? These are horrible, horrible decisions that you have to make. But I can tell you, through my own family, my, my father-in-law passed away just a few years ago, right. and um, he had a, a minor surgery that, that unfortunately, there were some complications that led to him. They had to put him on a breathing tube. They had to do some other things to keep him on support. Sure. And so, unfortunately, he was unable to communicate anymore for what his wishes were, and we got to the point where my mother-in-law had to make some hard decisions. Right. And I could tell you it was... It was painful to, to experience that, but it was also painful to watch her having to go through it. Fortunately, they had health care directives. Mm -hmm. So she was able to go read what he wanted done to him. Notice, okay, we've gone past how long he wanted to be experienced this, these life prolongment exercises. And she, she had the peace of mind knowing that this is what he would have wanted. Sure. Now, if we would not have had those health care directives, I'm not so sure that she would have the peace of mind right. after um, my father-in-law passed away. And so the the reason we wanted to share this one first and the, and the reason that we think it's scary, I mean, obviously dealing with death is scary yeah. and thinking about, you know, getting sick or, or having to make those decisions is scary. But most of financial planning is thinking about things that you have some control over, how long you want to work, how much you want to save, what you want to invest in. The reason this is a really scary uh, thing to not have in place is you don't get to control when you need that will to take place, when those healthcare directors are going to matter, when that life insurance is going to be the lifeblood of your family. And so that's why it's scary. If you don't have those in place, you really are kind of flying naked. The other one we have, the next one, is not having cash reserves. I mean, this is one, guys, there's all kind of unexpected emergencies that can occur. You know, I, I think I've mentioned on every other episode, I don't know why I'm worried about hot water heaters exploding. Right. <laughs> but I mentioned that on every episode where we talk about cash reserves. Right. But it really could be a car accident. Um, a lot of health insurance now is high deductible plans where sure. you have to have some cash reserves. So in case you have to make that deductible or out-of-pocket maximums. So you want to make sure you have enough money for emergencies, mm -hmm. repairs, as well as just opportunity money. Right. Uh, it's, uh, cash, having cash reserves is not only just to cover the bad things. It can be for opportunities. So don't have those experiences where you don't have cash reserves. The stories we have with that is that we have people, it's not uncommon that we'll have people reach out to us that have failures with businesses right. and a lot of other things where they were not prepared. We'll go do 401k presentations where people will have to take 
401k loans and yep. do other things. And it's usually because they didn't keep enough cash reserves to get them through those dark periods and those bad things that it could, could occur. Right. So make sure you're keeping enough cash reserves and liquidity so nothing derails you. The other thing, here's one we did another podcast on specifically. So all you have to do is go join the Smart Money Club. Go to moneyguy.com. Give us your email address. You can pull up all of our archives all the way back to 2006 when we started doing this because we don't want you... This is the, the tip. Don't live a lie. Don't have zombie debt that's sucking the life and happiness by draining your sources and limiting your choices and opportunities in life. We did an entire show on zombie debt, and that's one of those things. And what am I talking about here? Big mortgages. Yep. I'm talking about tons of credit card debt. I'm talking about running up student loans for a major that might not even be able to pay off. Sure. Because of the and earning potential. I feel like that's one, and I don't know if the, maybe this is, I think it is a bad thing. I feel like that's one we see a lot. We see a lot, a lot of uh, young students reaching out to us or parents of students reaching out to us saying, Hey, my child has, uh, you know, 70, 80, 90, a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt. And then our immediate first question, okay, well, what do they study or what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be something that's going to make it very inhibitive to get that debt paid off. So let's give some let's give some tips because you know not only do we want to give you the advice or things to be aware of, let's let's talk to you about how 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 do you set you know some rules or, or, or have some good rules of thumbs to understand where right. you should be. Let's talk about student loans first. Here's the thing about student loans: if you're looking for guidance, I would try to come out of college with student loan debt that was at least matched or less than that first year of income that you okay. could that you could make. Now there are exceptions to the rule. Obviously if you're a, an attorney or an engineer and you're going to see your income, maybe this pay starts low coming right. out of college but then it accelerates very quickly as you earn your expertise. Those are exceptions. But if you are one of those people that's coming out and you're doing um you know a, a ma- you know your 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 major is going to create an income in your first year out of 25,000 or 30,000 right. and you're probably not going to get huge step ups from there. You might want to make sure that your student loan debt stays below sure. that threshold. The other thing I want to talk about is tons of credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Look, credit card debt, credit cards in general are a tool, but they're a tool no different than a knife or a very sharp instrument that you have to be very careful of using. You have to very much respect tools like credit card debt. And that's why we recommend to do it right, pay it off monthly. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of some of those planning tools and the, the insurance and the, the extra protection that they provide for you, but also make sure that you're paying off monthly. And then big mortgage. Look, I recognize that a lot of people who have this zombie debt are trying to create a trophy experience where you look very good, that live that lie out there, out there to people who are looking outside, looking in, and, and get that fulfillment from the fact that, oh, man, they think I'm successful. Right. But the problem is is that it is a lie, and it's very much, that's why I call it zombie debt, is because it's going to suck the life out of your choices, out of what you can actually do to enjoy your life. So think about debt. You know, I know the standard is about 28%, counting on principal and interest, as well as taxes and insurance. And that's for your housing debt. On your housing debt. But I would encourage you to push that number down to 25%, so you have a little more you know, latitude to enjoy life a little bit and actually even think about building assets to save for retirement in the future. So I'm going to rephrase what you just said. If you're looking for a rule of thumb, uh, add up the total amount that you pay for housing right now. So principal interest in a mortgage or what you're paying in rent, maybe throw the utilities in there as well. And you want that to be less than 25% of your total gross income. That's the easy math to do to figure it out. That is correct. The next one, buying investments 
you don't understand. Oh, man, we, I feel like we see this one a lot too. We do, usually with prospects. Mm-hmm. They come to us. Here's the first one I'll pick on. Specific types of annuities. Okay. You know, reason, you know, and I'm not saying all annuities are bad, but here's something that I want you to be aware of. A lot of annuities will control your ability to vote with your feet. And what I mean by that is, is you get into a product that you don't like, you might be trapped there for 10 to 12 years. Mm-hmm. They control your behavior by surrender periods, lockup periods, and other d- deferred sales charges and other things like that. So be aware of that. Well, that sounds bad. So wh- why, why would anybody buy an annuity then? I mean, wh- how are these things getting sold so often? Well, some of them are, are, are sold to you because they have cool features. You know, I'll give you an example. Equity index annuities. I hear these things advertised on talk radio all the time, and they, they, they brag to you to be the panacea of you can get stock market returns with no risk. See, my, my, whenever I no risk, I always get a little nervous. Yeah, you know, the, the, what they do is they lock up your behavior by that 7 to 10 to 12-year deferral period. The other thing they do is they cap your performance. If you have a year where the stock market is making 15, 20, 30 percent like we saw in 2013, you don't get all that. Usually there's performance caps that will cap you at 7, 8 percent, you know, and then the insurance company gets to keep above and beyond. So make sure you understand What's going on? Don't buy investments you don't understand. And so am I correct in this math? You know, we talk about all the time, Brian, that markets uh, statistically are up 8 out of 10 years, right? I mean, that's sort of loose, but 8 out of 10 years they're up. So the way that they're able to guarantee that you don't lose any money is in those 8 out of 10 years the market's up. They're getting the majority of that upside, and you're only participating in a piece of it? Yeah, they get it. the upside, and then they, they know that you're not going to – because you're thinking, well, it's all right if I buy right before a market crashes – you know, I'll get them and then I'll move it over to a cheap index fund. No, no, no. That's where that deferred sales charge or that surrender fees and that lockup period is going to control your behavior. So they win even if you do get them on the beginning of the great timing sure. of, of the investment. The other thing is, is private investments. We have two, we, we have some, some show notes here. We have two examples and two scary stories mm-hmm. in the fact that one, their advisor put them in all these private placements that just like the annuities locked up their ability to right. vote with their feet and leave. But then these things are complex. Here's, here's why I don't love some of the complex private investments. If you're, if you know you're going to get a K1, a lot of times these K1s don't come in by April 15th. Right. So you better get excited about doing extensions and your tax preparer always extending your tax return. You better get excited about the fact that you've got to find some place to custody or hold these assets. And they usually have, Custodial fees, like $250, and then they require annual audit statements, and there's all these hoops that you have to jump through. And then there's also the fact that a lot of private placements are not as efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to. There's a reason they make you be an accredited investor, meaning you have a certain level of income, a certain level of assets to prove, hey, you don't have to. The government's not going to give you all the protection that they require for the average investor because you're what's known as an accredited investor. You supposedly are sophisticated enough that you don't need all that basic protection. So just be careful. There are some things with private placements. Now there's some really good ones. I yeah, don't, I don't want to, but I just say that there are a lot of them that are structured to be sexy for the sake of selling you the product versus actually the material the, being a better product that's going to get you a, a better rate of return. You know, I'm reminded of what Warren always says is that, you know, the, the two things that you need to kind of master to be a successful investor are fear and greed. And it's so interesting that the two things that we just mentioned, 
uh, annuities play on the fear, and then I think the private placements play on the greed. So Great point. if you find yourself uh, on one end of that spectrum, do sort of an introspective look and say, is this the right thing for me, or am I falling prey to those two emotions? The, the next one I want to jump into on scary stories is making sure you have an understanding of things that you can and cannot control with your family and the protections and things you can do to protect yourself. And the fact that we just did that, that insurance episode on insurance, yeah. I'd, I'd recommend people still go back and look at that because one of the things that's often overlooked is umbrella insurance. Umbrella insurance is that insurance that sits on top of your automobile policy as well as your homeowner policy. And we had a case where one of our, our clients, their child did something inappropriate and threw a rock at a school bus and the rock hit a child. And there was, there was some, some litigation, medical some medical and some other things that occurred. It was that umbrella insurance that, that kind of came in and saved the day. Sure. So that's one of the things, even though you might be the most responsible person in the world, there still could be some risk from family members or somebody coming to your house to do repair work, sure. work on your roof, slips and hurts themselves. Make sure you understand how you can protect yourself. And that's why we have episodes on insurance. That's why we have, talk about umbrella insurance and other things you can do just to, to make sure you insure away those risks. 15 seconds, Brian. Who, who needs umbrella insurance? I think anybody who has built up assets you have a target on your back if you got in a car accident, if somebody's damaged. So I think the majority, of, especially if you're listening to a podcast like The Money Guy Show, most of you need umbrella insurance. And you're going to like the fact when you call your property and casualty agent, it's pretty cheap. It's not going to cost a ton of money. And I typically recommend getting as much umbrella insurance as your net worth. Okay. So if you're worth a million dollars, get a million dollars of umbrella insurance and you should be protected. And that's going to cost just a few hundred dollars a Perfect. year. Yep. It's not, not a ton of money. Um Let's talk about taking, this is the last one on the negatives to be aware of, the scary stories, taking unnecessary risk after you've won the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, I had, I'll tell you, I'll go way back when I started this company back in around 2003, 2004. I had a couple who came to me who were quickly approaching retirement, and they went and talked to another financial advisor. And that financial advisor, they had a completely paid for house, and that financial advisor approached them and he said, you know what you need to do. You need to go take a mortgage out on your house and put it in the stock market. And this is 2000? 2004. Huh. 2005, somewhere in there, you know, right as we started, as I started this company. And, you know, analytically, they might have a point because you, you'd already said, Hey, markets are up eight out of 10 years. Sure. What could go wrong? Here's what could go wrong. As you guys age, as you get close to retirement, you really do get to a point where can you afford to take additional risk that could derail the win that you've already had? It's called risk capacity. You might not have the years left to let your portfolio recover, so why take on that additional risk? I mean, that's what most of us are working and saving and building financial independence, that army of dollar bills, so that we can pull back and do the things that we want to bring fulfillment. Don't go and take unnecessary risk by getting too aggressive. We've also seen this case, Bo, with, this happened in the last year. Yep, that's right. Is we had somebody, it's one of your clients. Yep. Won't you share what happened? Yeah, so what happened is uh, just like uh, this client was actually already retired, already in retirement, or at least pseudo-retirement, uh, same thing, had a house that was paid off, but they were looking to move, and their plan was they wanted to take the equity in the current house and roll it into the next house. They had a paid-off new house. Well, 
again, before they met with us, they had a, an advisor that they were speaking with. And that advisor said, yeah, you know what you ought to do. I get that the stock market is risky. Stock market is aggressive. But when this new house, you should take out a mortgage and let's go buy a bunch of insurance products. <laughs> because now you're not taking stock market risk and we're all going to die. So the insurance is going to pay and it's going to be a great thing for, for your, uh, for your lineage. And, and uh, we had to kind of walk them through the pitfalls and the dangers associated with that. And the best thing for their situation was to not have to worry about having a mortgage payment, not have to worry about a note because they were already at that financial independence point. Um, and so again, it's that fear and greed. I think that that advisor was probably playing on. Uh, the greed of wanting to have more money to leave behind when really it could have sacrificed their current livelihood. Yeah. And talking about fear and greed, what do you think was motivating that decision to recommend that? That's something else to take into account. Absolutely. But in the last one, before we get to the scary decisions that are scary stories that are positive, is being too aggressive with your portfolio. We had, we had a, it's now a client. It's one of the parents of one of our life, you know, very long term clients. The, parent had an advisor who I think they bought the top funds that Kiplinger or probably whatever money, choose any money magazine from the 90s. Right. Where they, the issue where they say the best funds of 1996. Yeah. Yep. You know, those, those magazines are out there. This advisor went and bought this client, all those top mutual funds. And then I think just forgot about this client. Mm -hmm. And this client now was in their 80s. Yep. We went through the dot-com bubble. Mm -hmm. We went through the Great Recession of 2008 and never changed the portfolio. All these funds that were the high flyers back in the 90s were now one-star funds, according to right. Morningstar. It was criminal. I mean, this poor person who was in their 80s lost over 40% in 2008. That's right. And that this is a person that should be thinking about preservation of capital. So don't take too much risk after you've won the game. Right. This, this is easy. And that's why just make sure you're keeping up with that because that's a scary, scary thing to actually have the hard part done. You saved the money. You put the resources to work for you, but you didn't update the plan to make it appropriate for where you were in your, in, in your stage of life of where you should be in goals. Well, that part of the show is depressing, talking about a bunch of bad stuff. So, so... Uh, let's move on and talk about some of the positives, some of the happy things, some of the scary decisions, you know, pathless travel decisions that worked out really, really well. Here's what I'm scary about, Bo. I'm realizing this costume that I put on, it doesn't breathe. <laughs> so I think it is 178 degrees in this thing right now. I'm, I'm so thankful that I have a wig on that you can't see how much I'm sweating right now. I'm hoping that I don't become dehydrated and pass out before this show is over. What I'm worried about is there's actually another co-host in with us right now, and this other co-host <laughs> keeps trying to take the mic from me. So it's uh, yeah. I'm telling you, youtube.com slash show, and you'll see everything we're talking about, guys. I mean, you can't make this up. This is one of those ideas you come up with, and then halfway through, you're like, am I going to make it through this? <laughs> so let's talk about positive scary stories of things you can do on our Halloween episode. So the first one is, don't be scared to fight for what you want, even if it's uncomfortable. Yep. And this one was fun for me. I, I, I'm so glad we're doing the positive ones. Hopefully everybody st stayed in there with us. I want to give you the story of my first car loan. I graduated college. I, I was just one of these crazy people. My parents had me so fearful of credit cards. I didn't get a credit card in college. Right. You know, even though they were handing out credit cards like, Candy in college, you know, you get a credit card 
and give you a bag of potato chips. Right. I was so scared of credit cards, I didn't get one in college. So when I get out of college, I get a job before I even graduated, but I needed a new car. Okay. I mean, because my car was old. It was falling apart. It was called the Ragalier by all my friends. And um, this is how I knew my wife loved me. It's because she, <laughs> she was dating me while I was driving around this rusty old car. So I went to go get my first car loan for this 1994 used Mazda 626. Ooh, that sounds like a peach. Oh, man. It was manual speed and it had the isolate, oscillating fan and the, it had a cool feature. I mean, talk about gadget factor, an oscillating fan in your car. That's unheard of. <laughs> but this thing was awesome. And I remember I needed a $10,000 loan. Okay. Went to the bank and I said, Hey, I, I'm, I got a job. Look, here's my offer letter. Paid vacation. Could be making $28,000 a year. Right. Practically rich. Don't you want to lend me this money? And the bank came back and said, Nope, we're not lending you the money. Really? And I was like, It's $10,000. I got a job. And they're like, You have no credit history. We're not lending you the money. You need to get your parents to co-sign. Here's what the point of this story is. Don't be scared to fight for what you want. I went to the branch manager and I said, look, I just graduated college, graduated an accounting degree, go be a CPA because I'm going to work for a public accounting firm. This is your opportunity to turn me into a customer. This is your one shot because eventually I'm going to be buying houses. Eventually I'm going to be saving more money. You want me as a customer. What do you think? He said, let me, let me make some phone calls and see what I can do. I kid you not, within three hours, he called me back and he goes, I think you make a great point. We're going to give you that car loan without a cosign. I kid you not, you've got to go fight for what you want. I want to, I want to give you a compliment, Bo, and I've talked about this on the podcast sure. before. You were my first interview when I was hiring associates. Right. This is a, 10 years ago. Yep. And I liked the interview. I thought you did great. But I was a little scared of you because you reminded me too much of me. I was like, I'm going to go train this guy, turn him into a beast in the industry. And then he's going to go start his own company. Why would I want to go bring somebody in like that? And then two months goes by. You call me back. And you said, why didn't I get the job? And by the end of the phone call, you had convinced me that I had made a mistake by not hiring you. And I gave you the job right there on that phone call. That's right. So it, it, you were willing to go out there and fight. For what you wanted, even if it was uncomfortable. Yep. And then it made me think about Barbara Corcoran on the Shark Tank. Yep. A lot of people don't realize, you know, I love the Shark Tank. When you watch that and you see that Barbara's on the show, you're like, okay, Barbara's always been on the show. No. What happened was Barbara was offered the show on Shark Tank. She told all of her friends and family four days before she was supposed to fly out to L.A. to start filming, she gets a call saying, thank you. But no, thank you. We no. decided to go a different direction on Shark Tank. You're not going to be the person we bring on anymore. So Barbara, she wrote an email, a very harsh email. And I like this quote that, that she sent to the execs. It said, I consider your rejection a lucky charm because everything that ever happened in my life came on the heels of failure. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great that she was willing. And I think there's even more to the story. I think she even flew out there and really, you know, put the hammer to Mark Burnett, who's the executive producer for that show. So I'm just telling you, be willing to fight for what you want, even if it's uncomfortable. Sure. So the next one, standing out from the crowd. It pays to go the road less traveled. Let's talk about. Some examples on this. And I, and, and I hate to make it all about me and you, but I think that it's important yeah. that we can share personal stories too. How I got my first job. 
Here's what you guys need to know. I was a decent student. I graduated with a, a good GPA. Right. But I was not what I call a front row sitter in, in public accounting or, you know, getting my accounting degree from UGA. Because that's a good program. Yeah, really good yeah, program. Absolutely. Ranks highly every year. Uh, and it was, it's a considered a program. The reason I chose it is because I knew if I took this, I would graduate with a job because it's such a hard program. Everybody comes out with a job. Right. So the thing is, when I was interviewing, I was not a front row sitter. I knew I did not have the grades as good as some of the people who were interviewing sure. when these public accounting firms came. But I went through one of the interviews and the partner at one of the accounting firms said, Hey, I see you're from. McDonough, Georgia. Right. We have a client in McDonough. And he proceeded to tell me it was a local hardware store. And I was like, I know the owner of that hardware store. So I, I filed that away. And when they invited me back with five other people for a second interview, interview I was like, I'm going to go interview their client. I'm going to go talk to their client and find out what makes this firm different. Yeah. Or at least get enough information that I can stand out from everybody else sure. who's coming back for that second interview. They told me two to three years later after I got the job that the reason they hired me is because they were so impressed that I went and actually interviewed one of their clients and they felt like that was a step above and beyond what anybody else who was interviewing for the job. It made me stand out. Yep. And Bo, we replicated this. You had a friend mm -hmm. who was trying to find a job in financial planning. That's right. And he finally got an interview at a firm, and you mentioned to me he was going to go interview. And I was like, I know that. I know those. Uh, I know the partners and yep. the owners of that firm, the founders. And I said, have your friend give me a call. And let's talk about you know what I know about those guys because yep. I see them at conferences. He made sure that he worked that into his conversation during that interview. And guess what? It's like magic. It's like pixie dust. He got the job. He got the job. So I'm telling you, make sure – that you try to stand out, mm -hmm. especially when you're trying to go, if you know you're going to do something that you're going to look like everybody else, you've got to figure out what you're going to do that makes you different. Like dress up like Howard Stern dressed up as Jon <laughs> Snow or dressed up like a dragon. I mean, this is the stuff you've got to be willing to stand out from the crowd to be different. So, I'd, I'd like to just put a disclaimer. Brian did not just suggest to go into a job interview in a costume. I think, I think that's way, an important thing. I noticed you're starting to sweat, too. I am. <laughs> so it's 4,000 degrees in here. It is 4,000 degrees. I see the beads of sweat bubbling up on your head. Misery loves company. I just want you to know, misery loves company. So I'm glad because when I take this off, I'm going to be dripping wet. So I want to tell people I'm standing out from the crowd, getting back on yeah. point. Our last two hires, by the way, we didn't go find them. That's right. Yes, yeah. you've heard us, by the way, you've heard us mention on this show that we're looking for a new associate. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I'll, I'll fast forward. We just hired somebody, made an offer last week. Right. They just let us know yesterday they're taking the job. Podcast listener. Yep. They reached, they heard me mention that a few months ago. Hey, we're looking to grow the family. They happen to live locally. We interviewed with them. They're now going to be working with us. They stood out from the crowd because they listened to the podcast and reached out to us and took the chance. Same thing, Carter, who you'll meet, meet Carter in a little bit when we have him teaching, eating these horrible tasting bean boozled <laughs> jelly beans. Carter listened to the podcast, reached out to us, heard we were transitioning from Atlanta up here. And he said, Hey, I, I want to talk to you guys. He went above and beyond and stood out from the crowd. That's the stuff that makes you successful. Yep. And then, Bo, you've already mentioned Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is always trying to be a contrarian. He's trying to be different from the crowd. And the fact that he talks about don't, you know, when it's raining opportunity, don't pick up a thimble 
Go pick up a bucket. Yeah, you I mean, got it. You a, nailed it. I don't. I don't know that I nailed the well, quote. You, I got. I got the the gist of it right though. But it's it's you definitely want to stand out for the crowd. You want to be different when you're thinking about how you handle your finances right. and invest as well. That's right. So the next one, career decisions. Man, oh, I mean, this one hits close to home because I feel like we see so many folks that really botch this one. We've, we've had a few, and I've seen this also in my time working in government sure, as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was a, a commissioner and a school board member for a number of years, 12, a dozen years. And, um, and I, I saw it all the time. So let's, let's, let's talk about a few of these. Think long term with an eye towards your vision plan, meaning that you need to go into each career decision thinking about what is the end look like or where am I trying to be versus Hey, what's the next six months look like? I think a short-term vision is not going to help you get there. And I want to go through a few of these, and then we'll tell some stories. Okay. Next, sometimes you may need to take a step back to take a step forward. Mm-hmm. I think that the new associate that we've hired, he's going to listen to this podcast. He's going to I think he will agree he's already working the capacity as a financial advisor. He's essentially taking a step sideways. Right. So that he gets into the fee-only side of the business and has some opportunities to learn that side. That is a smart move that he's taking a sidestep to get forward in the future. And then here's the last one. And this is the one that we probably have the majority of the stories on. Don't make a bad decision for $5,000. It goes back to that first thing about the vision plan of understanding what your opportunities are, where you want to be. Because i got to tell you, there's people... Let me give you the one from the county commission. Okay. I used to, it used to break my heart when I'd see police officers leaving the county that I was a commissioner in to go to another county to take a $1,200 to a $3,000 pay raise when they were two months from being vested in the oh. pension plan. Oh. I mean, that is horrible. You realize you, I mean, it had a five year vesting period. These are officers that had been there for four years, 10 months. Yeah. Then they put in their notice to leave. Oh. That that's that breaks your heart. Yeah, it's the same thing. We've had people where we've made an offer to them, and we're a smaller, fast-growing company. So it's just like a speedboat versus an ocean liner. We're going to move. We're going to be nimble. We're going to grow. We're going to take opportunity by the grab the, those horns and do just do what we're supposed to. I'm screwing up all no, kinds of things. Just gonna but I'm going to keep going horns. with it. We're going to grab those horns, and it breaks my heart when I see people go to a more established company. Because they offered them $2,000 more. It's not thinking about the long term. Not thinking Why about is that, that a trap? Yeah. I, the reason I think that that is a trap is that bigger companies sometimes can offer you a bigger incentive or a bigger base salary on the front end. It's kind of a trap because they're trying to get you in. and then you, But your progress five years, ten That's years, right. just is not going to have the opportunity that that nimble company. There's a reason that startups offer restricted stock units, stock options, they're giving you opportunities to grow with the company. So make sure you're thinking about those type of things. Um, Taking a risk. Here's moving. Did you have any other career ones before I moved on to the next one? No, I I think you hit that. I think a lot of it is also, if you're thinking about um, starting a business, changing jobs or changing into a new industry, I think you really have to think about that taking a step back to take a step forward because we see all the time someone who's in a job making, you know, X amount or they, they, they're established in their current lifestyle. And are you, are you starting to take parts of it off? Dude, Dude that's not committed to the cause. I, I will tell you, you're going to notice the speed of the show is directly correlated to how hot I feel. So and, keep going. I didn't mean and, to interrupt you by taking so off my gloves. what ends up happening is a lot of folks want to make that career change or want to make that jump or want to make that pivot, but they can't because they're nervous about taking that decrease in lifestyle or taking that bump back. I think if you're going to have that long-term plan and you 
if you want to live like no one else, you have to live like no one else. And if you want to do something different, you have to do something you've never done. So I think that's something important to keep in mind. And that's a great transition point to the next one I had. The next point I had was taking a risk while you're young. Mm -hmm. I really do believe the risk favors and smiles upon the youth. You got him adjusted. I know, he keeps, oh, yeah, I got him. He's Guys, we, we, I know we keep pointing out, Bo has a dragon on his shoulder. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Go check it out, youtube.com slash show. But taking a risk while you're young, I, I've already mentioned startups. Yep. They might not be able to offer you as much money on the front end, but the opportunity could be tremendous. Yep. We have quite a number of our, our clients that are out there in California or even in other parts of the country where they work for biotech or startup right. yep. companies, and they've seen it pay off. I'm talking seven-figure payoff situations while they're young. I mean, we've had clients that have moved. I mean, this is one that I will tell you is an important thing to consider. We had somebody who lived in Alabama. I don't mm -hmm. think he'd get mad no. for us sharing. He's a podcast listener, but moved from Alabama to California right. to go work for a startup. He did it for a number of years, made really good money that's through right. those incentives, and then moved back to Alabama that's right. with a big pot of money. That's exactly right. He, he took that risk early on, and now he's, he's reaping the rewards of that. We, um, we had a client call just last week with a client that is, um, got bought out by the company, got bought out by a private equity company. He had the opportunity to reinvest back into the company. Now, normally, we recommend you don't do more than 5% of your total investable assets with the company you work with because you already have so much of your net worth and your human, human capital, capital yeah. tied up with this company. But this is one of those situations where he was so confident in this company that, that he was working with that he is going to take a little bit more of a chance. A client in their 40s, 50s, I might have told him to put the brakes on, but a younger yeah. client, I said, if you really feel this this strongly about it, this is your chance to see if it works. Yep. Um, and then here's the, here's another one that we're going to go into greater detail, starting a business. I think if you can take that jump younger, make sure you have the 10,000 hours that you actually right. have reached expert level in what you want to do for a living, but do that as young as possible. Yep. And I think that is, that's a smart move. Sure. So the next one we had, it's a hard thing, it's a scary thing, but it's a positive thing, is flipping your mindset from being a saver to a spender. We deal with this all the time. And I think most of our podcast listeners would agree that that's scary. I'm, I'm a is. saver. I save money. To think about spending, I, that makes people break out in hives. I have clients. I mean, it's so interesting. A few of them, quite a few of you are listening to this show. Where you, you come and get guidance on buying RVs. That's right. Buying Gators, you know, John Deere Gators, or buying a BMW, like. Or going, going you on know, a you nicer. Can't buy a BMW. And you're like, wait, you don't, you don't owe anybody anything. And you have all this money. If you really feel like you want a BMW, go get you one. Right. I mean, there's, there is something. I love helping people be as efficient with their money as possible sure. um, to the point that you are really deploying those dollars. But there is something really cool about flipping that script from being a saver to a spender. That's right. Because you have lived that life, the the road less traveled and taken those risks and also done the, the, the deferred gratification and been disciplined, there's nothing wrong if you've reached those goals with flipping the switch from saver to spender. Right. And it's fun to help people work through that. The last one to close out before me and you catch on fire, or at least start melting, is starting a business. Yeah. I will tell you guys, this is one that I think 
changed my life. I mean, this is what makes it possible for Bo to dress up like a dragon, me to dress up like Howard Stern dressed up like Jon Snow. It is, it is definitely that I was able to start a company. I had a vision for what I wanted to create. And it's, it's worked out. And, and I will tell you, it's one of the most fulfilling things in the world to take a risk and then come out on the other side at positive. Now, I want to give you some guidance so you can do this appropriately. When you take a risk, what, what I love is we're using new software for show notes. All my notes I put in on this topic disappeared. So this is all Solid. coming straight off the brain. Solid. That's okay. We're rolling with this thing. So here's what I tell you. Measure twice, cut once, and the fact that you better have some cash reserves and things built up is because I think where most people don't fail when they start a company, it's not on talent. It's typically that they didn't think ahead and plan well enough to have liquidity so they can make it through the three to five years that you're going to be going through a drought. Let's face it. There is going to be a period where people are going to be unsure. You're unproven that your new business is going to work. So they're going to be hands off for a period of time. Make sure you have a business plan as well as a liquidity plan to get you through that slow period because then it kind of piles on when people realize, oh, wait a minute. They've made it. They're they going to be all right. They seem to be successful. Yeah. Hey, I want to be a part of that. And you'll notice that everybody starts piling on, usually after you don't, you, you've reached the level of success. But that's why it's make sure you have that plan yep. that you can make it through that, that hard drought period in the first few years. I'd also tell you that one of the things that's going to keep your, your mindset right is that when you are thinking about making the jump of starting a business, by the way, we've done podcasts on vision planning and starting businesses, so go do a search on that once you join the Smart Money Club, is also making sure that you have a plan on the front end of what you're doing it for and the why you're doing it. Because if you can't put together why you want to go out on your own, don't do it because you're just trying to run away from some bad things that are going on in your life, that you don't like your boss, that you don't like getting up early. That's not good enough for why you should go out on your own. You need to be running towards a goal because it is going to be something. It's the why, it's the fulfillment, it's the things that make you think that you're really not working because this is what makes you tick. This is where your passion is. And it really is that, that crazy adage, that thing that's all hokey and used too much. If you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So true, though. And it is, it is definitely truth. Bo, is it time to start harassing our employees? By, by the way, we're going to eat these too. I don't know if I told no, that no, to no. you. No, no, no. We should just have you them do it. You don't get paid. No, no, no. You don't we, get the one no, 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 five. No, no, We should have them do it. And we, you just no, just... we're doing this. It's big team, little me. All right. High school football, I didn't do it, but everybody who was on the high school football team wore shirts that say, big team, little me. So we're going to bring these guys in. Let me go ahead and set this up. Actually, through the magic of videography, we'll go grab them, and then I'll explain the rules of how we're going to do the bean boozled. We're back, and we have the whole abound money guy team here. What's exciting, to my left, I've got the Mad Hatter, Mr. Gabe Tally. Gabe, you want to wave, say anything? Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. And a number of you guys work with Gabe, so you know Gabe. This is why this is so exciting that we get to introduce and share everybody. To my right here, Corinne, you look spectacular, but I have no idea who you are. It's Miss Frizzle. And I'm gonna get bet. I'm gonna bet that Brian does not know who Miss Frizzle is. True. True or false? No. I know no characters with an iguana on your shoulder. Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus. 
All, that, all of us knew that. Is that because everyone, I'm old? It's Yeah, I yeah, think so. Said, I didn't want to I say it so. to be rude. But okay, I don't have to introduce the Game of Thrones dragon, which is Bo and his mascot here. But to his right is Mr. Carter Thomas as the Night King. He actually is. i got to be honest. That thing is scary. It's I mean, actually it pretty terrifying. It freaks me out a little bit. I mean, and so, and Carter, you're probably 400 degrees in here right now, right? <laughs> so, so here's the thing, guys. You work with all these people, and these guys are all working behind the scenes to make the show awesome. We want to do something fun, but also entertain you. Because, I mean, while we're wearing gladiator type, I feel like I ought to channel my inner Russell Crowe and talk about, are you not entertained? So we're going to do some Bean Boozled. <laughs> so the way this is set up is that these things have good and they have bad. It's a 50-50 shot that you're getting a good jelly bean versus a bad jelly bean. All right. We're going to do three quick rounds. The first round, if you take your jelly bean, you take it, you consume it, and don't spit out. Notice nobody has water. Move that water away, Bo. No water, even though we're on fire over here melting. Nobody has water. If you consume your first jelly bean, you get a dollar. Ooh. That's right. We're motivated right now. We're money motivated. So, after we make it through the first round and nobody spits up, you qualify for the second round. That $1 after you eat your second jelly bean will be turned into magically, because I am Howard Stern dressed up as Jon Snow, into $5. So if you don't spit out the second jelly bean, that $1 turns into $5. And then we fast forward to round three. If you make it through three jelly beans... It turns into ten. A thousand. Oh, ten dollars. Ten dollars. Oh, we have a limited budget here. Okay. We're right. giving a thousand dollars away on YouTube, so it's eating up all of our budget for <laughs> jelly bean funding for our employees. So, so here's how we're gonna do this. Now, remember, it's a fifty-fifty shot. All right. Fifty-fifty. Gabe, since you're to my left, you get to go first. Now, the way I'm gonna do this. Uh, and I think I think you turn it uh, open and pull, pull up and twist. Pull up, pull up and twist. There you go. And now push down. Now push down. Well, One pops oh, down. this is actually even better, Gabe, because there are two brown ones. So let me tell you what you, these could be. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Just eat it. Don't, don't look at the colors. Don't look at the brown colors. Brown doesn't even have. Yeah. No, it's, it's either canned dog food or chocolate pudding. No, because now you're gonna be expecting it. No, no more looking. We're gonna do it together. No. Okay. You get to. So you ready? One, two, three. Now, canned dog, canned dog food doesn't sound all that bad. Of all the, uh oh, <laughs> I guess you I got guess, chocolate pudding, didn't you? I guess we never got canned dog food. I got the canned dog food. Chocolate pudding's not bad. <laughs> this all right, tastes, here we go. This tastes just like alcohol. Here we go. Here we go. I'll just, take my dollar now. You're oh gosh. More than once. Oh, that's horrible. All right, so uh, ladies first. And then you go take because I don't know what green is, so I'm gonna leave brown because we know what brown is. Well, but we need then, to tell what that's either. Well, well, we have to guess hang on, it. Hang on, hang on. That is either stinky socks or tutti frutti. Oh. Bo, yours is boogers or juicy pear. Oh, Carter, let me see yours. Oh, uh, yours is dog food or chocolate pudding. pudding. All right, here, here we go. go. Let's see what you got. What'd you get, Karen? Did you good or bad? What's it supposed <laughs> to be? It's either. Stinky socks or tutti frutti? Did you get stinky socks? Yes! Bo, is yours good? Juicy pear. Oh, I hate you. Chocolate pudding. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so everybody won a dollar except for me and Bo. Yeah, you don't win any money. Sorry, brother. <laughs> Gabe, take that one. Don't eat it yet. We can all just have some. Let's do it all at the same time this time. I already did that one. You can try That's mine. 
Oh, that one's going to be good. I can tell by the color of it. Whoa! Whoa! I'll do the brown one this time. I hope it's not. There's a help card around because I'm obviously. I, I hope since, since we're getting a lot of brown ones. Hey, that one, hey, just so you know, that's either that's either prickly pear or uh, grass or, cuttings. That's probably not bad. Or, oh, I thought it was boogers. <laughs> no, maybe not. Oh, okay, no, that's boogers. That's, yeah, that's boogers. Boogers. prickly. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, bottoms up. Okay. I think I got a good one. That was too Rudy. No. Mine popcorn. Yeah, that's Rudy Tootie. What'd you get? What'd you get, Gabe? It wasn't bad. I'm not sure what it was though. Man, I needed to make sure we got more bad ones. Man, so I was perfectly pair. Was it? Was it good? Yeah, so, so I don't. Yeah, mine. So have you gotten two good ones? I have. Of course, so, the Night King. I don't know if ones. that was dog food. I mean, it was either really bad chocolate pudding or pretty good dog food. No, you can't no, it was. It wasn't bad. He does come from a unique background. <laughs> does. I grew up from very humble beginnings. <laughs> oh, you've already had that one. So no more brown. No more Another brown. Color. Look at us. Miss Frizzle over here laying down the class rules. Must, half this thing must be brown. I had yellow last time. That's orange. Oh, okay. that, that's what he had. That's orange. It's, it's literally designed not to have to do that. <laughs> it tastes like, uh, it tastes it's like Howard Stern's hands. hands. Everybody got okay, one? I got one. Yeah. Please be prickly pear. All right, here we go. Bottoms up. Oh, oh God. Did you get a bad one? Oh, whoa. Let me see. Get it. Get it. Oh, my God. Is that? spoiled milk. You got spoiled milk? I got dead fish. Oh, my. I got to get down. What did they put in that to make it taste like that? Actual dead fish, huh? What was? We don't have water. Do we? What we don't was have water. that? Oh, mine was dead fish. Uh, oh, what's your? What? That's I think that's the rotten egg, guys. Miss Frizzle had so Miss Frizzle had rotten egg. For those of you still I've with had us, all the bad ones. Connor or Carter had spoiled milk. Ooh. I had dead fish. Uh, Brian had dead, dead fish. fish. And I think a juicy, juicy uh, pear. And Gabe had all juicy pear. Did you not have one negative one? No, my my experience was fantastic. <laughs> I think that was the last round, right? That was, that, was the last round. Round. Okay. that was the last round. So you get ten dollars. I'll eat another one for twenty. You get $10? <laughs> I, I'll eat another one for twenty. No, we're not doing guys. <laughs> we spent. We got a thousand dollars going to YouTube. We can't. We can't do that. I feel like so, I'm on Oprah though. Oh. I'll take Gabe's ten. And then I mean, if y'all want to, we can keep going mm -mm. for free, just no, for no, fun of it. No, All right. Night like King I, Carter. No, there's no way. Guys, thank you for going through this Halloween experiment. It has been tremendously fun to dress up. It's been a tremendously hot, too. It's warm. been awesome. Hopefully, you guys had a chance to not only listen, but also get the full visual experience of going to moneyguy, uh, youtube.com slash moneyguyshow. And remember, if you like what you see, you feel like you've picked up some knowledge, you, too, could take the relationship to the next level and work with this team. So thank you so much. I'm your host, Brian <laughs> Preston. We'll be back in two weeks. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. 
The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice. Put your hat back on so you can take a put your hat back on so you can take a put your hat back on so you can take a put your hat back on so you can take a put your hat back on so you can take a put your hat back on so you can take a put your hat back on so you can take a put your hat back on so you can take a put your hat back on so you can take a